0: You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live... A gospel movement can happen. Recently, we connected with Chuck Proudfit. He's the founder of At Work On Purpose, a workplace ministry based in Cincinnati, Ohio. We wanted to share Chuck's story because he has had a really interesting journey. A Harvard graduate who made his name selling premium toilet paper, but then had an existential crisis which eventually led to him becoming a follower of Christ and then founder of At Work On Purpose. The ministry of At Work On Purpose has a broad scope and sees the importance of citywide gospel movement. So here's an extract from the interview we did with Chuck. We hope you enjoy it. I
1: did not grow up as a Christian. My parents had both walked away from the church, actually, as young adults for different reasons. So I grew up the son of two English professors, kind of aware that there were religious people, but I didn't really have any uh, sense of what all that was. But when I got to Harvard University, where I was studying organizational development, I was in a very cosmopolitan environment with people who were all over the place spiritually, (laughs) including Christians. And I was just intrigued in general with the idea that some people used faith as a foundation for their whole lives. And that had never been a thought that had crossed my mind. So that was a new idea. And it kind of just lodged up here, but it was on the back burner. I mean, the front burner was graduating from school, getting a job. And the job I ended up getting was in the United States at a multinational company called Procter & Gamble, which is headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is where I now work and live. And I was hired into a a system of general management that this company has called brand management. I was assigned to toilet paper, much to the horror of my parents. (laughs) I, I was, um, asked to bring an entrepreneurial spark to toilet paper. I joked with my boss at the time. I said, that really sounds combustible. (laughs) And, um, we spent about six months trying to figure out why we couldn't charge more money for the toilet paper product we had to boost its profitability the answer was that it was softer and thicker than people wanted to pay for you know and they're flushing it down the toilet and this was a real problem for a company that likes to generate profit by adding extra value like premium products but a premium price point and i ended up making a career by trying to help solve that problems. So long story short, um, I was promoted at this company for taking what's called an indirect price increase. We took 30 sheets off of each roll and I worked with manufacturing plants to wind the rolls more loosely. So the diameter was the same as before the sheet count reduction. And we took a very small increase in the thickness and our job was to market it as new and improved. New because it had 30 fewer sheets and improved because it was thicker and I was not inspired. You know, here I am, I'm in my early twenties and I'm getting promoted for short sheeting the consumer. Instead of a midlife crisis, I had a quarter life crisis. I was in this job with this employer that everybody said, you know, you've made it, you know, you're, this is like the creme de la creme in terms of training grounds, great company, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't feeling it and I didn't know what to do. So I was in an evening of great discontent, remembering back to my time at Harvard where I had friends who had this faith foundation that seemed to center them when things got really bad. So I decided to start exploring comparative world religion and philosophy. I did that for a decade. And I came to Christ at 31. As a result of that, God used it to kind of navigate me. So he uses my frustration with work to lead me to faith. And then he starts calling me into a faithful life at work for myself and other people that played itself out in a consulting firm that I'd launched by this time, I'd left a corporate career after a period of time. And also in launching at work on purpose is a faith at work ministry. So I, I relate very personally to Christians and non-Christians alike, the non-Christians who just want to feel like there's something about their work that's more than paying their bills, and for the Christian who doesn't hear or understand how their faith has anything to do with their work.
0: A quick break to encourage you to check out our website, movement.org.au. This site contains a library of resources, podcasts, videos, blogs, Stories from Australia and around the world of City Gospel Movement. People who are on-the-ground practitioners bringing the church together across denominations for the sake of their community. You can search by speaker, author, subject to find exactly what you're looking for. Subscribe with your email address and we'll connect with you personally to see how we can serve a City Gospel Movement in your community.
1: So this is my heartbeat, and this is why I'm a practitioner, and this is why At Work on Purpose is geared in a very practical way for the how-tos. And how we do that, there are some uh, discipleship things that we do that are ways to kind of equip people to start thinking about faith lived out at work and ways to organize Christians in community in the workplace, which is often very lonely spiritually so that they have a sense of camaraderie and because God orchestrated it this way, we started to realize that we were forming a community of relationships across the city. It was a citywide network. And this is where eventually we emerged with this realization that we were a citywide workplace ministry. What's kind of cool, if you go back to the New Testament, you know, it's filled with stories of the church in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Thessalonica, you know, all these different places. And my point is that those early Christians never thought about separating faith and work. I mean, they just lived out their faith at work, at home, at large, it didn't matter. So I started to understand that our faith at work ministry on a citywide basis wasn't just about vocational flourishing, it was about cultural flourishing. Mm. It wasn't just about an individual Christian finding and fulfilling his highest and best use at work. Mm. It was also about the big C church at work seeking the peace and prosperity of the cities where we work and where Mm. we live. Mm. We are unusual that way. There are very few workplace ministries that are focused on city transformation. We are. Normally, to most workplace ministries, we are off strategy. (laughs) Because we should just be focused on find God's calling for your vocational work. And that's a very good thing. But there's also collectively what we do in the city. And I totally know that you get that. To, to finish out my, my story here, and I'm going to stop. If you look globally across the world, only 3% of working Christians are employed in local churches or parachurches. of us are employed in those channels of cultural influence you just referenced, Mm. business, Mm. education, government, so forth. Mm. Therefore, if we're serious about city gospel movements, we have to be serious Mm. about the church at work in the city, which is why I am always amazed when I I attend gatherings for city transformation, people like me are very uncommon. You see lots of local churches and lots of parachurches. Mm but you rarely see workplace ministries represented. I'm hopeful we can change that, but it it requires bridge building. I have learned over the years that it's really hard to find a city leader with a workplace bent like I have in many cities, a city leader with a workplace bent. And I don't mean that I'm anything special. I'm not lifting myself out from that point of view. All I'm trying to say is most of the city leaders are people who have arisen out of the local church or the parachurch and or you have business, especially from the private sector, from business. You have Christian leaders who are focused on some type of a ministry for business people. But it's very narrowly niched on, hey, run your business with godly principles or helping you find your individual vocational direction, stuff like that. So over all of these years, it's been two decades. I only now, within the last year or so, have been able to find a handful of peers in cities across the U.S., so I'm now leading a cohort where we're talking about this idea of citywide workplace ministry and the these are different leaders who have different models because i i strongly believe that every city has a distinctive landscape so it's not a cookie cutter thing and most most workplace ministries are very cookie cutter the way they're very businessy. So they're like, hey, here's our model. You can be a chapter, you can license our material, you can be a franchise or whatever, but you have to do what we do in your city. Instead of saying, wait a minute, we need to build something unique that's based on the parameters of this city. And that is just not in the wheelhouse (laughs) of Post Workplace Ministries. So after all these years, here's Chuck with a half dozen guys and I gladly have women too. I just haven't had any yet um, where we could be in this cohort. So that's what I'm doing on that level. But, but it's like, how do you get started? So I am getting ready to prototype something in a city called Florence in South Carolina. So another state in the US, outside of, well outside of Ohio. But we could just as easily test it in Australia. So what ended up happening, and this was totally serendipitous, Imagine going from a dozen people in a life group that was about work life, which is what I brought together in 2003. And then just organically through word of mouth with no curriculum, no leader, no nothing, it grows to over 300 people in six months. And that's what happened. And then it grew from there. And today there are over 12,000 people and across our city. And they were all organizing to what I'll call tribes. And one of those tribes was Christian business leaders and not just business, also some not for profit executive directors and so forth, but Christian workplace leaders who wanted what they, back in the day, they called faith based executive roundtables. So at the time, naively, I thought, well, I'll just find a supplier. You know, somebody makes materials and I'll find somebody to facilitate a group and I'll check that off the list. Well, we tried that. Um, That didn't work because the materials needed to be adapted for these leaders who weren't just interested in stewarding their organizations. They also wanted to serve the people throughout their sphere of influence. They wanted to shape the industry in which God had strategically Mm -hmm. deployed them. And they wanted to support the communities where they work and where they live, like Mm -hmm. four-dimensional. And so we started developing a, a format a unique and customized kind of faith-based executive roundtable, And the members here gave it a name. They said, we don't want to call it a round table because it has, that word in the US anyway, has too many preconceptions about what it is. It's too limiting. So they said, we need to call these collaborative laboratories for Christian workplace leaders, and we'll shorten that up and we'll call them collaboratories. (laughs) Or if you shorten it even further, collabs. We have now about 150 Christian workplace leaders in greater Cincinnati that are organized into these discipleship groups we call collaboratories. There are roughly a dozen, give or take, in each one. And when COVID hit, we began to experiment with a virtual format as well as an in-person format. And we are now going to pilot test that format in this city in South Carolina. We could just as easily test something like this in Australia. And the idea is that you bring together a set of Christian workplace leaders where you're looking at those four dimensions of fruitfulness that I was referencing. How do you steward organizations? That's what roundtables typically do. And serve people throughout your sphere of influence and shape the industry where God strategically deployed you and support the communities where you work and where you live. That is a very practical way that we might be able to support you. Uh, because what we have found is that it's unusual to have. I mean, there are lots of faith-based executive roundtable programs, but they don't look at that bigger picture. And these, the people that you'd want in these groups, have a heart for the big C church at work. They know that their position of leadership creates spiritual leverage, and they want to be part of a city gospel mission um, or movement. They want to be part of shaping a nation. They want to um, redirect or or restore or reform their channel of cultural influence. They think big and they're they're doers. They don't like to just pray and talk about stuff. They like to architect it and deploy it. And then they want KPIs, you know, the critical performance indicators. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, And I love them. They're my tribe. I came from that world, Um, which, you know, you have to shift out of that when you're meeting with pastors and all that, because it overwhelms them. They get really intimidated and grouchy. But um, these are the kinds of people that can really, they are the horsepower for a big C church at work effort in a city. They're the, they're the same leaders that will go out there and put initiatives together and launch them, that will provide the seed capital to get something up and running, that will serve on advisory boards and stuff like that. They're the ones, they are, they're the people that you need. They're the nucleus. So if I were advising you, I would say, create something like that. And uh, if there were an opportunity, you know, or if you wanted for us to work collaboratively, then I'd say, wow, that could be like kind of cool. I I have shared with our our leadership within At Work On Purpose that I think this is part of where we need to go next, is that we're increasingly city leaders, Christian city leaders are realizing they cannot leave out the workplace. They're increasingly realizing that all of these incredibly important issues are not, uh, the the influence to change them is not inside local churches or parachurches. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a political issue, it's in the public square. If it's uh, an educational issue, it's in education. <laughs> you know, it's like, duh. But they're like, how do we reach those, those people? <laughs> and those are the people that you know that are there. What I would do is remind all of us of Romans eight twenty eight. So that scripture says, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I think so often we Christians feel that we're working in isolation. We may very well be at work in a place that has no other Christian believers, but God is nonetheless there with us, even on the loneliest days. And sometimes we have to remember that because it's so easy to forget. Number two, it doesn't just say that God's present. It says God works for the good and our workplace today is filled with so much evil. I can't speak for Australia, but in the U S we're dealing with health, anxiety, economic disruption, social unrest, and political polarization at unprecedented levels. I've never seen it like this in my adult life. And you can go to work and go home and feel like you've been drained all day and that nothing good happened. But in all those difficulties are spiritual opportunities. If we can believe with faith, what that scripture really says, not not just that God is present, but God works for the good of those who love him. And then it closes out who have been called according to his purpose, which I believe is both um, encouraging and convicting. It's encouraging because it says, look, as you're called into the purpose God has for your life, he's gonna be right there cheerleading and championing you every step of the way. It also says, as you are working in that place that God has for you, and many of us, I think, aren't. It's not that we can't be working for God anywhere we happen to be, but that we are often disconnected from faith opportunities in our working world. And so God's potential purposes fulfilled through us at work aren't happening. So I, I would encourage people with, with those three things from Romans 8.28.